Our Bible reading this morning is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, through to chapter 5, verses 11. And it's found in your pew Bibles on pages 1188. Pages 1188. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to use uh, what is normally the kids' own slot just for a, a time, as you see in the order of service, for summer mission home and away. And I'm just going to ask if the cameras can be put on so that when people come up the front, everyone will be able to see. We've been learning, as I said, at the start of the service from 1 Thessalonians. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 says this about these young believers or Christians. It says, the Lord's message rang out from them. That it literally, like a bell, rang out that people could hear the gospel from these young believers and as a church, we come into the summer months, there are many opportunities for the Lord's message to ring out from us. As you go to your workplace, as you live in the streets around the Bloomfield even, even as you go uh, on summer teams or even on this island or across the world, there are different opportunities for the, the Lord's message to ring out from us. And this morning, what I thought we might do is just bring up a few people that are doing specific summer mission teams, both individuals and teams are doing that. So I'm going to invite those, and if you're, if you're not, uh, if I haven't been in touch with you during the week, please come up anyway. But if you're involved in a summer mission team, as an individual or on a Moldova team, come on up to the front, and we're just going to ask them a few questions about what they're doing and how we can pray for them. So this is your cue to, to come up to the front, please.
Great. Thank you for exposing yourselves so much up the front. <laughs> um, great. And there might be others in the church and you go, well, how come I'm not up the front? We'd love anyone to be up the front. So if you are in the summer mission team, come on down and we'll have a few words. We're going to look at three W's this morning. Um, and the three W's are this. What? What will you be doing? Where? Where will you be doing it? And when? So what? Where? And when? What? Where? When? Three W's. All right? This morning. Okay, so let me, let me just get this going. You'll see there's a trend here in the middle with the t-shirts. <laughs> and hopefully maybe if the cameras come up. Andrea, you're leading the Moldova team. Can you tell us? Um... Yeah, um, we, well, I'll do the what first, will I? Do. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, we go on the 30th of June um, on a midnight flight. We leave 20 to 1 in the morning. Um, and we arrive in on the Saturday. And then we come back on the 11th of July. So. Yeah, and what will you be doing, Andrea? Yeah, we are going to help out with a summer camp. So basically, um, we're going to encourage the, the church in Moldova um, with Leila and Cornell. And then we're going off for five days to a village called Chuchu Lane, where we are going to help with the kids in the morning. And then in the afternoon... The plan is that we're going to teach English, which could be quite interesting. Um, and we're doing some crafts. We're taking crafts with us and um, games and things, that kind of thing. Great. Thank you, Andrea. That's Moldova team and over Kenzie Bowers. Tell us where you're going, what um, you're doing. I'm heading out to Echo Lake Bible Camp in Canada um, for six and a half weeks to run six different camps for kids age five to 17. So there are different things like water sports and crafts, um, and then it's all Bible-based, so they've got their Bible programs as well. Great. And you head off at the end of June, isn't that yeah, right? Yeah, the 29th, the 10th of August. Great. Mandy Lee, lovely to see you, regular here. Come. Sometimes. Tell us what you and others are doing um, locally here. Well, we're not going far away at all. We are going to the walkway down the street. Uh, and we do nothing to do with the Bible at all. So, um, so we do an education-based summer scheme for the walkway. However, it is a huge witness for the folk on the walkway that Bloomfield help out. So although we're not overtly teaching the Bible, we are certainly uh, hoping to uh, spread God's word. Great. And if you are, you're looking for volunteers, aren't you? Yes. So if you have two weeks that you can spare a couple of I'll, mornings. I'll two weeks in July. Yep. Come, come and talk to Mandy. Sandra, tell us what you're up to. Okay, I'm organising a group of 61 um, year 8 and 9, that's first and second form in Old Money. Uh, pupils from Sullivan Upper to go away in an SU house party. We're going to Arnaban Outdoor Pursuits Centre. See, keen for outdoor pursuits. Um, uh, and in Castle Wellen. And we're going from the 31st of July to the 4th of August. And so they'll be doing outdoor pursuits, but we have six form and former pupil leaders along who will be doing uh, talks and Bible studies with them. Great. Thank you. That's great. Let's go to the MacDougalls at the end. Let us know what you're up yeah. to and what you're doing. Um, well, we kind of looked at the, the announcement from Reuben last week and felt a bit sorry for him. So it's going to be Team MacDougall kicking up the Kalos camp, much to Michael's disgust, but sure, never mind. At least he'll get fed. Um, and Michael's also going to be helping at the... He's going to be a junior leader at the camp before um, in Cranfield and then I'm helping at Walkway as well. Great. See, people do. Alfie, yes. lovely to see you. Um, it's not just for young folk, you know, and I mean that graciously, Alfie. Um, it's for all ages, summer mission. You, you, when you go to Drogheda, you'll grow older. <laughs> I probably will, Alfie. 
Tell us where you're heading. Tell us where you're going to. Where am I heading? I think a church knows where I'm heading. Go on, tell them again. Go on, just encourage it's them. my ninth year going back to Bodrog and Hungary. And, uh, yeah, I went first two times with Bloomfield, enjoyed them. And since then, with exception of one, I've been going on my own. Okay. Uh, it is about an 18-hour journey for me, uh, traveling. And this time, I'm piggybacking with Second Saintfield Church. And uh, traveling with them, I'll have transport down to the village and it'll be a bit quicker. As you all know, I have health problems, but the good Lord and the prayers of this church mm -hmm. has helped me, and I'm nearly there. Great. Well done, Alfie. Great. Reuben, you're doing two things this summer, aren't you? Well, apart from others as well. Summer Madness is coming. Holiday yeah. Bible Club. Yes, we've got Summer Madness and, and there'll be walkway as well. And then, but so I guess I'm standing here representing a, a larger team that will be helping with the Holiday Bible Club um, upstairs. So we're not going too, too far either, but that's um, for P1s to P7s from the 21st to the 25th of August, reaching out to the kids from our church, from the local area as well, and sharing with them stories from the Bible, um, key messages from the Bible, and just allowing God to move in that. And then, so we've got that, and then also doing a camp for 14 to 18 year olds with Urban Saints, which is formerly known as Crusaders. And we are gonna be up in Lorne, um, we're going to be well fed all week by the McDougals and it, yeah, it's a brilliant week where we've got lots of young people from here coming, loads of young people just from across Ireland um, that come, that have a link from Crusaders, some of them don't, some of them just like the thought of a camp and get involved and yeah, so. Ruben, I've never seen you being small, but this boy is bigger than you, so can you tell us what you're doing and where you're going? Uh, I'm going to Hungary with Alfie as well, with okay. the team from Second Saintfield, where I'm, Alfie's in Baldrog, I'm in a village down the road called Curtis, um, working with uh, primary school Ro Romani kids uh, for a week from the 30th of July to the 7th of August, great. so looking forward to it. Great, thanks Matthew, that's great. Do, 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 do. We're nearly there, right, let's go to the end, Karen. Um, I'm going to the Scripture Union Clubroni Girls Camp. It's the week after the 12th. I can't remember the dates. I just know that I'm off work before I go. Um, and Janessa Minari is leading that camp, and Sarah Hagen is also um, one of the leaders in that camp. And then I will be subjecting all those who go to my cooking. Sarah Bell and Rachel, you're both doing a camp together, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, this will test me on how well I listened on Friday night. Um, <laughs> I am going to Causeway Girls Camp with Rachel. Um, Rachel and another girl called Beatrice lead Causeway Girls Camp. It's with SU um, and I. So we're going to spend the week of the 30th to the 5th, um, 30th of July to the 5th of August in Bally Home Residential Centre with 25 or 26 girls aged 12 to 15. Um, and during that week, we're going to enjoy the Causeway Coast. Really, it's quite relaxed, slightly different to Cobroni, slightly different to Cobroni, more my scene. Um, we're going to be looking at the mornings of the cross with the girls, um, splitting up over five days and exploring that with them, um, studying First Peter um, in the night. Thanks very much. And you tell us what you're up to. Um, I'm going to be helping on a camp called Itch Remove this summer. So it's basically a lot of uh, young people around my age go to a camp and they learn how to lead young kids and then they spend the next couple of days leading a camp for P7s going into first year. So it's a great experience for us to learn uh, all about leading and hopefully being able to do some of what these guys are doing in the future but also for the kids who are moving up to first year to maybe see kids who have already done the move and make them feel a wee bit more confident about that. And uh, who else is with you? Is it 
Olivia or Olivia, which yeah, you? Olivia Crichton. Olivia well, Crichton, yeah. that's right, yeah, so that's great. And Heather, Heather's on Ballycrocken CSSM uh, with Catherine Hand and Claudia Dixon as well. And then for others, there's Sophie Keown is on a various camps with Cranfield, Kalos, Port Stewartism, Emma Keown is in Russia for three weeks with Agape, Caleb is away with Cranfield as well, Crusaders camp. Uh, Stephen Simpson is doing a camp in Donegal. Russell Bowers will be involved in uh, Christians in Sports camp in Campbell College. And the beauty of just, and thank you for doing that this morning, all right? The beauty of doing this this morning is that you've probably forgotten already, all right? Where are these kids going? And Alfie, <laughs> all right? Where, where, where are they going? And the thing is, the beauty of it is, is that next Sunday, uh, there will be a summer prayer diary out with exact dates of where everyone's going, what they're doing. And so can I encourage you to take that with you next Sunday? And also, over the prayer meetings on Wednesday, uh, over the summer months, we will be praying for each and every one of you. Um, so let me say this formally this morning. We want you to know that you are an extension of this church family, that you go with our blessing, that you'll go with our prayers, that we'll pray for you regularly, whether it's through the prayer diary or whether it's regularly on a Wednesday night, we'll pray faithfully for you. Just be assured of that as you go. We'll be praying for you over these summer months, but also we're involved because some of us are giving financially to you, others of us will be praying for you. So you don't go on your own, but you're going as part of a family. And I just want to encourage you to do that this morning. We're going to sing a hymn in a moment when you sit down, but before you do that, I just want to pray for you and pray for the summer uh, that's ahead for you. So let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for those who are going to be involved in summer mission this morning. We ask, Lord, that they will be like Paul when we read from Thessalonians, that they will love the adults, the teenagers, and children so much that they're working with, that they'll be willing to share their lives and the gospel with them. Lord, as they go, may the gospel, the good news of Jesus, go out not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction so that all who hear the good news of Jesus will turn to serve the living and true God, we pray. Protect each person and team from the lies and schemes of the devil. Prepare them in their hearts and lives over these next few weeks and fill them with the love of God. We pray that each individual and team will seek to serve and build up and encourage all that they get alongside and that they may grow in godliness and Christ-like character. Lord, as a church, we thank you for the privilege of being involved in mission, both locally and overseas. We thank you, Lord, for the different teams and individuals, and we pray, Lord, that you'll put in our heart a prayerful heart. We pray even as they gather up the front this morning, Lord, would you lay on some of their hearts a desire for long-term mission, overseas or locally, because, Lord, your word encourages us to pray for workers for the harvest, because the harvest is ready. Lord, we pray this morning, help us at home and away, to be faithful in prayer and to rejoice in what you will do over these summer months, we pray. And Lord, we thank you for that lovely blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, driving in from, from Bangor, I came over Craig Antlet Hill, down Ballymascaw Road, which took me right over Belfast, and you get this magnificent view of Belfast this morning. And one of the things that struck me was there are a couple of tower blocks 
in Belfast on the right-hand side, uh, North Belfast, I presume. And it reminded me we need to pray again uh, for Grenfell Tower and London. So let's join together in prayer. Let's pray. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Father God, we bring before you those families, those individuals, and the whole neighborhood that have been deeply impacted by the fire at Grenfell Tower in London. For those who've lost loved ones, Father, comfort them. For those who are still hoping against the odds of loved ones being alive or found, Father, bring your peace to them. For those who are angry, Father, fill them with your love and grace. For those who are disillusioned, disenfranchised, marginalized, Father, bring them into your family. Make them your sons and daughters. For those who escaped or who were rescued that night and are asking the question why, Father, we pray fill them with a thankfulness and gratitude so that they're not overcome with guilt or regret. Father, we pray for the emergency response teams, the medical staff that engaged in that evening, Father, help them to recover from the trauma of this. For those injured, we pray, heal their bodies and minds. And Lord, we ask that those who need to be rehoused will find it near their much-loved community, that those who are heartbroken, that you will restore and do them good. Father, our prayer is, bring good from this sad and devastating situation for your own glory and honor. Father God, we pray for all those who are celebrating and engaged in Ramadan this month. We pray for the many Muslims throughout this time that you will protect them, that you will, by your Holy Spirit, draw them to yourself, Father God, that they may find in you the living and true God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, yet he is the one that reaches down to, in love to rescue and redeem. Lord, use the many means at your disposal of radio, TV, satellite, even mobile phone and movies to make Jesus known through the scriptures we pray that many will find in Jesus their Messiah and Lord. Father, we continue to pray for our elective representatives. Lord God, we pray for good governance and we ask that you will help all to bring together a program for government in this place so that education and health and other areas like freedom will not suffer or be put under unnecessary strain. We pray particularly for those who are MEPs, MPs, MLAs, those in the Dáil who are Christians. Lord God, you have given them the task of serving you for the greater good of the people. Lord, aid them in their role in life. Help them as they grapple with belief and practice issues. Give them your wisdom and insight into how to live to please you with integrity and allegiance to you as they serve in these public roles, we pray. Father, this morning we come with hearts that are glad, hearts that are thankful, but we also come with hearts that are concerned and burdened and heavy laden. And we come before you now in this moment of silence to bring those things that are of concern to us. Father, one day you will make everything new. You promised in Revelation these words are trustworthy and true. And today, in light of all that we've prayed for, we long come, Lord Jesus, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'd be grateful if you would turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And before we look at that, we'll pray. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you came as a babe to Bethlehem. You will come as risen, exalted, glorious, and victorious Lord. And you are present even now in our midst by your Spirit. Take these moments to speak through your word, to convict us, to challenge us, to encourage us, to upbuild us, and to draw us to yourself in a saving way that we can be assured that one day we shall indeed be with you forever. In your precious name, amen. Paul was perhaps the greatest evangelist of all time. But in his uh, ministry on earth, Paul faced a recurring problem. If you look at the account of the different places that he visited and where he preached in the book of Acts, what normally happened? Well, it was this. He arrived at a, a town, a city. He sought out the Jewish synagogue, and there he preached Christ. He was given about three weeks, and then uh, people began to respond. If we look at Acts 17, we see this happened in uh, Thessalonica. People began to respond, and as they responded and believed the message of the resurrection, that Christ was indeed the Messiah, and trusted him, then others got very angry and indeed violent. Very often there were riots, and Paul, some places like Philippi, he was arrested and beaten. Elsewhere, the believers thought that the best thing to do was to get him out of town fast. And that was almost, not in every place, but almost a recurring problem. And so he faced this issue. People had come to faith through his preaching, but he wasn't permitted to remain that he could give them adequate teaching so that he could, to use the language of today, follow up. And that's why we have... Uh, the uh, epistles which record uh, correspondence between believers and Paul where he gives them advice and encouragement and explains more and more. But it, it, it meant that there were some things they knew and there were some things he hadn't time to tell them. Now, when we come to this passage... Uh, from chapter 4, verse 13. 
we, we see uh, in the first section, it falls into two bits, uh, the, the end of chapter 14 and, uh, of chapter 4 and then the beginning of chapter 5. In, in the end of chapter 4, how does he start? He says, brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant. Now, ignorant doesn't mean he's very ignorant. It means that you don't know. So here he's dealing with something that they, he didn't have time to explain to them. And then in, in chapter 5, he, he writes, Now, about the times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well. And, and there he's not giving them new information. He's applying it. Okay, let, let's go to the first bit. And what was the issue in chapter 4, verses 13 and following? Well, it was this. It was this. They had been taught that Jesus was Lord. He had died and risen. They were to put their trust in him. And he was coming again when all things would be wound up and it would be the glorious consummation and final victory of the Lord when he would gather all his people to himself. And it was coming soon. And they were looking forward to that. But it didn't happen immediately. And then some of their older members through the process of aging, died. And they hadn't anticipated that. They thought, hey, my father has died, a believer. Now, what's going to happen to him? I know the dead will rise, but I'll be there when the Lord comes. But what will happen to my father? When will he rise? Will he rise after the Lord comes to meet us who are alive? And this was giving them, causing great anxiety. And so Paul writes, Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant, to be not knowing things about those who fall asleep, using the euphemism of sleep for death. We, we, we don't want you to, to be very uncertain about those who have already died or to grieve like the rest who have no hope. Now, a, a word about grief. He doesn't say, we don't want you to grieve. Because let's face it, grief is a, a natural human response to loss. It is a healthy response. It is, grief is, is very much uh, offloading pain and loss. And with the encouragement of others and the help of the Lord, finding healing and being able to continue. He doesn't say, I don't want you to grieve. What does he say? I don't want you to grieve like the rest who have no hope. 
And that's very different. I know, and I've been told in this place, and I've been told elsewhere, it, sometimes people who grieve begin to beat themselves up because they see other people who have been bereaved who seem to be getting on so much better than they. And people have said to me in the past, you know, I, I feel so ashamed that I'm, I still miss him so much, and here so-and-so-and-so-and-so seems to be doing so well. Don't beat yourself up. Don't do it. He doesn't say you're not to grieve. He says you're not to grieve like those who have no hope. We have a hope. And that is to give us strength and to take us forth. He wanted to limit their grief. And he, he, he wants to give them quiet assurance. What does he say? Verse 14. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That's a, a difficult verse. And I won't go into the problems. Uh, I have little time already and I'm moving, so we won't get into that. J just, j just let me uh, go beyond that. Uh, he, he, he refers them to what he has taught them. And the language of uh, we believe that, God, uh, that Jesus died and rose again. If someone said to me, uh, what's the purpose of life? And uh, I said, well, the purpose of life is to bring glory to God because that's man's chief end. You'd say, aha, where was I quoting? Shorter catechism. Because I don't normally, in my everyday language, talk about man's chief end. You know what it means, but it's not normal language. Well, here, the wording of Jesus died and was raised is a bit like that. So people think this must have been an early catechism an early summary of Christian belief that was given to the new converts. Okay. And then he proceeds, and what does he say? He, he starts with what they have been taught, uh, and uh, he, he tells us then the, the details of what's going to happen, the details of the Lord's return. He says, look, you're not to worry, verse 15, that we who are left at the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have died, those who are asleep, uh, either go with the Lord first, or it could also mean have an advantage over. And then he tells them why. The Lord himself will come from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Okay? They're not going to be second or third. They will rise first. Then what happens? After that, we who are still alive and are left, we who are on the earth, still alive, what will happen to us? We will be caught up together with them. Who's the them? 
to them is the people, the dead, who have already raised. So what he's saying is that those who are alive when the Lord returns, with those who have been raised at his return, together we will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. It's better, the, literally it is, to the meeting of the Lord in the air. Okay, now here we have being caught up, that is, the rapture. Now, some people have said to me, Bill, what do you believe about the rapture? You, you Presbyterians, you don't believe the rapture, do you? Well, now, here we have the rapture in the Bible. So, do I believe in the rapture? Yes, I do. It's there. I'm not trying to duck it. Oh, I thought you didn't believe. What do you not believe in then? Well, I'm not going to fight with anybody here on the rapture, but I think you would think I was cheating if I didn't just do a, a quick word on what most Presbyterians believe. We differ not in being from... Now, the rapture is one of the brethren's specialties, all right? They are specialists in the field, and they can produce diagrams and charts and all kinds of things. Okay. Now, Presbyterians are a bit skeptical. Why are we skeptical? Let me ask the question. What happens then? We will be caught up together, living and dead, to the meeting of the Lord in the air. And then what happens? Oh, then what? We, we go up, and then we, there's the trib, and then we come down, and you know the kind of thing. What does Paul say? What does he say? We will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. But Lord, that, that's not the, Paul, that's not the question we, we, we want to know. Where do we go? Up or down? Maybe he doesn't take us up in the air and then take us up further. Maybe he's on his way down and we just go up to meet him and then we come and join him. What does the text say? Well, the text doesn't say anything. Paul doesn't tell us what happens here. And the, the wonderful uh, scheme that John Nelson Darby uh, produced in the middle of the 19th century you, yes, it has scriptural basis, a bit here, a bit there, a bit everywhere else. You don't ever see it treated in one passage alone. The word for meeting. Let's say Mr. Trump comes to visit the Queen. Sometimes it's going to be doubtful, but let's say he does. What will happen? He will arrive in Air Force One. Prince Charles or somebody important will go to meet him. And then, if Americans, if his security permits him, he will get into a coach. If not, he'll be in that enormous uh, machine, and he will drive down the mall to the cheering crowds, he hopes, uh, and then meet the queen in the palace. What happens? A dignitary arrives 
and we go out to meet him and then accompany him. And this word that is used for meeting refers at the time to that kind of greeting of a dignitary going out and then accompanying him in. It's used one other place of the bridegrooms in Matthew 25 going out to meet the bridegroom. Well, then what did they do? Well, they, they came with him till he picked up the bride, and then she was, the whole party went back to his house. That's how they did things there. So, basically, what do I believe? I'll only talk about myself. I believe in the rapture, and then the Lord will continue to the ground, and that will be the second coming. That view avoids the Lord coming not twice, but two and a half times, at Bethlehem, in the air, and then later and I find no, re no reference to that. Now, uh, please, if you don't agree with me, sort me out later, but I just felt we, I had to, you, you wouldn't have let me get away without speaking about it. But that's not the main thing. All, esc uh, all apocalyptic, all prophetic uh, teaching in the New Testament is not to satisfy our curiosity but to give us practical help and orientation. And so Paul says, therefore, encourage, verse 18, each other with these words. Right, I'll have to uh, carry on rather rapidly. Let's go on to uh, chapter 5. And what do we see there? Here we have, as I say, the teaching is how to live in the light of our Lord's coming. How are we to live? Uh, he refers to us, uh, the Lord coming, very much like the day of the Lord, verse 2, will come like a thief in the night. And the whole point is we don't know when a thief is going to come and so we have to be prepared. And this picture goes back to our Lord's teaching in Matthew 24. Our Lord said this, Keep watch, for you do not know on what day the Lord will come. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would, would have kept watch. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. We must be ready. In these uh, 11 verses, well, I've got three points which I'll have to squeeze into five minutes. The, 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 the first thing to note is this. It's a time when people are saying, can you see it, verse 3, peace and safety. Now, in the Roman Empire, they had a slogan. It was... Pax, you, you'll get it because it's fairly basic Latin, Pax et Securitas. Do you think you know what that means? Of course you do. Peace and security. And it was a slogan in the Roman Empire, a, a bit like strong and stable government. Okay, although it lasted an awful lot longer than that phrase is going to last. 
It was what the Roman authorities were saying. In this empire, you will have Pax, peace, et securitas, security. And what is Paul saying? That's not what you're going to put your trust in. You must be alert for the coming of the Lord. Don't put your trust in human institutions. Don't put your trust in human institutions. Why should we not do that? Because they are run by bad people? No, no. Some of them are good people. They are run by people like us. And what does that mean? Human institutions are run by sinful people who don't always get it right. And in our democratic system, we vote that they can be improved and those who don't do a good job can go out and people we hope do a better job will come in and all of that. But don't put your trust in peace and security. No, no. The Lord is coming and so we must look out. Verse 6, be alert and self-controlled. Be alert and self-controlled. We have to look out. Secondly, verse 8, we have to be kitted out. We have to be kitted out because we are day people. We belong to the day, to the light, not to the night. And so as day people, since we belong to the day, verse 8, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For our defense, what are we to use? Faith, hope, and love. Those three we find, we find in 1 Corinthians 13. Now abides faith, hope, well, charity, the old version has faith, hope, love. And we find it elsewhere in the scriptures. How are we to defend ourselves? With the armor of the Lord. Faith and love and hope. The breastplate and the helmet. And that is our defense. Not defending ourselves by using the arms of the enemy. Sharp words, distortions of truth, anger and bitterness. No. Faith and hope and love. Why? Verse 9. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath. This is God's purpose for us. Not to suffer wrath but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. For Jesus died that we might receive that salvation. God's purposes for us, the Savior's death for us, and the Spirit's working within us with faith and hope and love. And we must Put those on, and that means putting off other things. Look out, be kitted out, 
And lastly, verse 11, reach out, reach out. He died for us so that while we are, whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. This is something which we don't do on our own. We do together with one another and for one another, each other. It's repeated twice in this verse. So we help one another when we are grieving. In prayer, practical help. We encourage one another when we are finding difficulties wherever, in our job, in our home, wherever. We are together recognizing that one day we'll live together with him. And so by his grace, we are learning to live together now. That's it. No. One final thing. One final thing. In this passage, there are a couple of references to the others. In the original it is, to the rest. We're not to grieve like the rest, and we're not to be like the, the rest who remain asleep. Maybe you're one of the rest, the others. You haven't trusted the Lord. You don't have that hope. You have no hope because you have no Savior. Now is the time, believer or other, to turn to him. Let's pray. Forgive us, O Lord, where we have put ourselves, we have put our trust in things, in people, in institutions, other than in the Lord Jesus. Help us to turn from them. Turn from the defenses which vainly we try to erect around us, and they always fail. Help us, encouraged by the wonderful certainty of his return, the details don't matter. We, looking unto him, will be with him. And may that gospel hope and assurance deepen our faith, increase our love, and strengthen our hope now and until that great and glorious day. In his name, amen.